Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Late Night Linux Extra, recorded on the 9th of August 2020. I'm Joe. Back with another Kyle episode for you. Now the timing of this is all strange to me because we've recorded a bunch of stuff in advance to release throughout August so that I can have a bit of time off essentially. So as I sit here now, we haven't even released the first extra episode with Kyle and we definitely haven't released the conversation on the main show about Kyle. So he didn't have a chance to respond to what Phelium, Graham and Will and me said about him on the last episode of the main show. So maybe that will happen next time. It's all getting very confusing. Let's not worry about that too much. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you everyone who's supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. It is really, really appreciated. And if you want to join the people supporting us, then go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. And let us know what you think about these conversations between me and Kyle. Should we keep doing them? I think we'll probably do at least one more. We'll have to see depending on time. But if you like it, then let us know and maybe... uh, I can throw some other distros at him and maybe you can suggest some, but I know that's a dangerous question because there'll be a million different distros suggested, but you can do it if you like. All right, well, let's not mess around anymore. Let's get straight on with it. Thanks for coming back then, man. Thanks. Now, I said if you come back, you've got to be on Zubuntu and you are on Zubuntu. You installed it on your laptop, right? Yep, here we are. But we're not speaking through your laptop. You had to use your phone because of pulse audio issues yeah because also doesn't allow firefox and audacity to control my interface at the same time yeah i don't know what you've done wrong there we could have done some troubleshooting but it was just easier for you to call me from your phone i thought it would just be easier just to plug it in like you know like a regular operating (laughs) system would normally you just plug something in and it would (laughs) typically function as it's supposed to yeah well it does for me but i don't know maybe you're doing it wrong We'll have to troubleshoot that another time. So what do you think of Ubuntu so far then? It's worse than I remember, I gotta tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How? What's wrong with it? Visually, it's nasty. I always go for dark mode. So the dark mode on here just looked way out of place. It felt like it was really half-assed. I know there's multiple different dark modes. I didn't, I tried the different themes, wasn't into it. Have you tried going to something like xfcelook.org? I don't even know if that's still going. You can get tons of GTK themes from there. No, I haven't. I, the thing is, I just want a good-looking theme right out of the box. Like, I feel like that's something they should work on and that you shouldn't have to seek out these files and change that. Mm, I don't know. Well, Windows doesn't look very good out of the box, does it? It doesn't tell you a uh, dark toggle. I didn't know that was even a thing. Yeah, it's got a great dark mode now. The whole uh, the file explorer is dark. All the settings are dark. It's looking good right now. So this laptop of yours, people are going to want to know what the specs of it are. It's got what a 960 GPU, and otherwise it's um, Intel CPU. Yeah, 960M and a Core i7 circa 2016. So it is Meltdown Inspector ready. <laughs> right. Okay. But otherwise that should be fairly standard. Did you install the um, proprietary NVIDIA driver? Yeah, I just checked the install proprietary drivers on installation, so I was assuming Zubuntu would do that for me. Yeah, yeah, it should have done. Okay, cool. But you've still got screen tearing then, you've been complaining at me in Telegram. Yeah, I've got the screen tearing in stock. What, in the desktop or in video playback or what? 
desktop, just playing like moving a window side to side on desktop, it gives some great screen tearing effects. I haven't actually tried to watch a full movie yet. I'm planning on HDMIing to a TV, but we'll see if that if I can even handle that. Yeah. Well, my pro tip for that is go to uh, display settings, search for display, and then you've got either mirroring or extend desktop and um, you know various options there. You can turn the internal display off and stuff. Just wait till power saving kicks in halfway through the movie or ten minutes into the movie, and then you'll try turning. Um, uh, the screensaver off and make it so that power manager says don't turn the screen off and then it will just randomly turn off just just to troll you yeah i also need to find out how to turn off the keyboard lights or keep it awake when the lid is closed i'm, I'm sure those are simple options but i can't turn off the keyboard lights so it's going to be pretty annoying what don't you have a function key for that i don't think that works without windows oh it's because you've got ridiculous rgb lights haven't you it's not just a standard backlight it was not rgb the rgb doesn't work it's just red but it's like at the brightest setting so what does the rgb work in windows just not in linux i think so i haven't even looked i don't care about rgb but you just want to turn it off i just want to like at least dim it's very bright yeah all right because the backlight on any of my laptops with a backlit keyboard it's just got a toggle and five settings of different brightnesses no i don't i don't have any of those capabilities i can turn down the screen brightness to off so that was cool when i turned it all the way down and i couldn't see anything at all (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i've had that before where you don't have the keys you don't have a function key for that i don't know what distro but I've, i've definitely had it where you slide it down and it goes off and you're like shit like i don't know how to turn it back up again (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can't do you gotta reformat so what about software installation? Uh, well, what about the installation in the first place? That went pretty smoothly then, did it? Uh, I'm going to go with no. So oh. my Windows machine froze on creating it with Rufus. So that was the start of this. I went to boot from USB once I had that created on the laptop. I couldn't get a GUI interface for actual installing. It hung on some sort of Bluetooth service, was shut down. And none of the alt keys or any of the, like, the different workspace keys worked. So I actually rebooted, said, try the distro without installing. From there, the GUI worked, and I went to install. I deleted all partitions and hit next. It told me I needed to make an EFI partition, which I've never had to do. I feel like every other Linux setup has made that for me. So I had to go to Google. I had to go to Duck Search, find what EFI size I had to create, and then say next. Right. Yeah, that should do that automatically if you just say... Um, give it the whole disk. Did you go for advanced partitioning or something? Yeah, I went for advanced because the drive was already kind of partitioned in a weird way. And I just thought the distro would be able to nuke it and start over. Well, if you hadn't gone to advanced and just said nuke it, you know, delete and install or whatever, then it would have set all the EFI stuff up for you, I think. I was assuming that's what it would do, but I didn't want to take the risk of doing the full install and then find out that like half the drive was partitioned and I couldn't use that. Yeah, but it takes like five minutes to install. Like, you know, I presume you've got an SSD in there. Yeah, it was fairly quick to install. But I tell you what, it's not fairly quick to do. Launch Audacity. It takes one to two minutes to open this program. No way. There's something wrong. I don't know what it is. Maybe this is just hardware that's aging. Mm, I don't know. Have you tried opening it from a terminal to see what the output is? I haven't tried that. Uh, well, don't do it now because you're recording, but... Um... That's what I would do to try and debug it to see if it's giving me a lot of weird messages because it must be doing something in the background for a minute or two. 
because Audacity is not exactly a heavy program. It should start within a few seconds if you've got a decent computer with a decent SSD in it. Uh, that's, I mean, my experience so far with Audacity and SSD on other operating systems. Well, it's always slow to start. Yeah, every time I've launched it here, it's been slow. It's taken at least a minute. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. So I maybe uh, speaking of installing stuff, could I get some advice or clarification? So I had to snap install Spotify. Yeah. I could just apt get VLC, the simple stuff. And for Telegram, I tried an apt get for that, and it wasn't on the repo. So I just went to Telegram's website and downloaded that uh, compressed archive. And it's like two files. It's like one is Telegram and one is some other file. But if you just launch the Telegram executable, it shows up in the start menu, as it were. And I'm not sure how it's installed. It's presumably a shell script. I don't know. I've just always snap installed Telegram, so I don't know. I don't. I generally just use web.telegram.org, to be honest, because I don't want to install stuff that I don't need to. And I've got it on my phone if there's any weird GIFs or whatever that don't load. So, yeah, I don't know on that one. It must be a shell script that just installs it and puts it in your um, start menu and stuff. And that's where I'd like some more clarification or just some sort of guide that shows exactly how installations work on Linux. I know that snaps are isolated, but is something like Telegram, is that isolated from the system or is that able to just run amok? Because on Windows, I can tell like it has a registry entry, it's installed, and I can firewall it if I want to firewall it. Well, with snaps, they have a thing called confinement, and there's different levels of confinement. One of them is classic confinement, which is no confinement. And some applications need that because... They just need access to too much stuff, basically. Otherwise, they're just not going to work. And then you have up to strict confinement, which means that it can't really interact with anything else. And sometimes that confinement causes problems. Like when I um, was using Sosumi, which is um, a snap that Popey made of, um, well, it's an installer for macOS, basically. It pulls it down from Apple servers. It configures all the weird EFI stuff that you need and allows you to run macOS in a VM. It takes like hours to install, um, depending on your hardware. But I was trying to get USB pass-through working for that, um, and it just wouldn't work. And I think that is a confinement issue. So you can run into problems with niche ones like that. But with Telegram, generally speaking, they will have the the most confinement that they can as long as it's still working. And there are ways, I, I'd have to read the documentation to see uh, the confinement for each one. But um, yeah, you just have to look into that. There, there must be a command um, to show the info and it'll show you what kind of confinement it's running. That's helpful. It just seems, I just wish there was easier documentation to find. I'm like, exactly how does this stuff work? The differences on installing things like uh, Reaper, for instance, I was going to install that because Audacity was loading slowly. I was like, I'll just use Reaper. I know how to use that. And I know there's a Linux client available, which turns out is actually a beta, uh, untested type of thing. Which my friend Drew uses professionally every day to edit podcasts, incidentally. I know that Reaper's good. I just don't have experience with it on Linux. And even down to like, like the strange install where you have to open a terminal and run the SH that they have to install it. I don't see why it can't just be like Telegram where you just, you know, click to install, double click to open, that sort of thing. Well, you shouldn't really be installing stuff from outside repos. That's what a lot of people would say to you. It should all just be from the official repos and then you're not going to have problems. I'm guessing Reaper is on a repo that I just wasn't aware of. 
Well, no, because it's proprietary software, so it can't be bundled. If they wanted to make a snap of it, say they could, but it can't just be in the standard repo. Like Ubuntu can't just take it and put it in there because it's proprietary. And I have a question about Firefox. So this comes pre-installed. How do you verify that? I mean, the browser is the, the main point of failure for as far as privacy and security. Yeah. With a pre-installed thing like Firefox, which is very important, how are you supposed to verify that it's actually safe and secure? Well, you're putting your trust in the distro maintainer, in this case, Canonical. You are saying that you trust them. Well, you're implying that you trust them by using it. By downloading and installing Ubuntu and using the Firefox that comes from the Ubuntu repos, you are saying to yourself, okay, I trust Canonical. And if you don't trust them, then don't use it. What would be the the no trust distribution for Linux? Is such a thing even out there? I mean, is is there real? I mean, are people like uh, high level people like Snowden just building their own setup and not trusting anything? Well, you're starting to get into issues of reproducibility, reproducible builds, because there's this argument that goes, well, the source code is there and anyone in theory can verify it, but then I'm downloading a binary from the distribution. How do I know that that source code made that binary with nothing else, no shady shit slipped in at the last minute or whatever? And that's where reproducibility comes in. And so it's actually a very hard problem to solve because when you build software, it automatically kind of adds stuff like uh, timestamps and just the way the system that you compile it on and there's a lot of complex shit basically that means that it's hard to make a binary that is the same so say we both downloaded the source code and we followed the instructions for you know make um, make install you know configure make make install it wouldn't necessarily spit out a like for like binary with the same hash and so there are efforts to improve reproducibility in the Linux world. And now I think Debian has got, um, I can't remember the, the percentage of it, but a big chunk of their repo is reproducible now. And there are other distros aiming towards that, you know, working towards reproducibility. But I, I think if you're going to just get binaries and, and not check them and stuff and not build them yourself and, you know, do periodic checks or whatever, then you, you've really got to decide who you trust. Do you trust the Debian community, for example, or the Arch community, or Canonical, or Red Hat? Or You just have to put your faith in someone and put your trust in them. And otherwise, you're getting into building your own OS. I mean, you could Gentoo, I suppose, to some extent, because that is a lot of downloading and compiling source code. But ain't nobody got time for that. So it sounds like just from a privacy security point of view. I mean, Windows, I would say I don't trust, but I'm aware of who it is behind it that I'm not trusting. With rando Linux distributions, it's maybe trust, but you have no idea if they're compromised unless you, I guess, know the team personally who works on it. No, because there are checks and balances. And like I said last time we spoke, there's always someone trying to make a name for themselves. If you could prove that there was a backdoor or a security issue, even a minor one, in Ubuntu, you'd be famous. And th there was a big backlash when they put the Amazon thing in. So they, they put, um, 
you, you know, when you, I oh, know you probably don't know, Unity was um, what they used for a while before GNOME. And in the dash search or whatever, so the equivalent of um, the start menu, if you search for stuff, they were sending some of that, uh, some of those queries off to Amazon to give you, you know, uh, results that would you buy shit and they'd get their kickback or whatever. And there was a massive, massive blowback against that. And so they stopped doing it. And so there's always people watching it and looking for it. And and that's, you kind of trust in the, the company who makes it or the community who makes it, but you're also trusting the wider community of cynical bastards who want to find things that are wrong with it and make a name for themselves. So it just seems like there's not as big of a community who's interested in a very smooth UI, <laughs> or at least it, what I would say is a smooth UI, because I don't think the XFCE is that. Well, no, XFCE, I, I sort of told you to use that to troll you a bit because it's very old-fashioned. It hasn't really moved with the times, and that's what I love about it, that it hasn't moved with the times. It is a traditional paradigm. But I feel like it's old-fashioned to a fault. Like, I was dragging uh, from a USB drive, sending it to... I don't know, downloads, movies, whatever. But if I had a folder, a subfolder there, if you drag over that, it doesn't expand to show the subfolder like Windows or any uh, modern operating system. And I just felt like there's no reason for them not to have this feature. Why is it like this? Well, you could swap your file manager out. You don't have to just use Thuna. You could install another file manager like uh, Nautilus or that, that got forked and I can't remember what it's called. There's a, uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called in Mate. Or you could even install um, Dolphin if you wanted and run that. I mean, it'd be a bit of a weird mixture of oil and water or something because things wouldn't look quite right. But you can configure XFC however you want. You can add a dock if you want, like a Mac OS style dock. I know you wouldn't want to do that, but you can change it and make it exactly what you want it to be it's it's pretty configurable it's not as configurable as the plasma desktop from kde but it is nevertheless pretty configurable i like the modular aspect of linux where you kind of just you can change every piece of it to suit your needs but i just i wish there was something out of the box where it was like here's something as clean and smooth as a mac os or windows and you can change it if you want but they, it, I wanted to feel like they put some work into it already. Like for instance, I increased the uh, the dock size to get it more of a Windows like because it was very small. The uh, icons at the bottom. Yeah, the panel. Yeah, the panel. And their system icons are hideous. As soon as those get a little bit bigger, they're just not in sync with the other icons. They don't expand the same way. They just they look nasty. It just feels like they just threw something again from a long time ago and just left it there and never updated it. That's very harsh. But I don't care about visuals generally. I use the default theme. I'm also using Greybird. Yeah. As long as it's not horrendously ugly, I'm fine with it. But you're saying that it is horrendously ugly to your eyes then? I would argue that Greybird is horrendously ugly. Well, you would not be alone, sir. So, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there. Now, as for a, a perfectly smooth experience, I would guarantee you that almost every single person listening to this has got an answer for you. And they'll probably all be different. There'll be people saying, Pop OS, or oh, just standard Ubuntu, or, oh, what about KDE Neon, or uh, what about Manjaro? Well, Manjaro is a good example. That would be worth checking out. The Manjaro XFCE is XFCE, but it looks a lot better, I think. They've put more 
time into making it look kind of dark themed and stuff. I've actually given uh, Manjaro a try and I liked the, the mint green XFCE theme. I thought it looked great. And then I installed this hoping to get something remotely similar and it's, I can see that's not the same at all. Really? There must be a way to get the Manjaro theme on Subuntu. I haven't looked. I want to review it like stock, like out of the box. This is what it looks like. This is your experience. If you didn't know how to change anything or couldn't change anything. Yeah. So you can't wait to get rid of this is the bottom line. Correct. <laughs> I'm over it. Right. Okay. So that d- didn't work. My XFC brainwashing didn't work on you. So fair enough. So what are we going to go for next time then? What are you going to try over the next few weeks or whatever? I'm thinking stay Ubuntu based because you kind of, you're fairly comfortable with apt and stuff. So let's not go too far to start with. Let's not run before we walk. And I'm thinking Pop! OS because everybody says that that is like really amazing, really usable, looks great. Gaming is great. What do you think about that? I'm interested to try it. Uh, I've read that Pop! OS is gaming oriented and it's probably the distribution besides Ubuntu stock that's trying to make a Windows-like desktop experience that someone can kind of remotely enjoy or be familiar with. So I'm interested in trying that. Well, it is GNOME, so it's not going to be Windows-like insofar as... I mean, that's one thing, surely, that you liked about XFCE. Once you worked out, or once I told you how to put the panel where it should be at the bottom, that it's it's basically like Windows, right? Yeah, I think the panel should... I always put the panel at the bottom. I don't like it at the top. I think if it's on the side, it takes a way too much screen space yeah but with pop os you're not going to get that you're going to get a gnome style situation which i just can't stand quite frankly their gnome has a minimized button so they've they've done a little bit of work to make it usable right okay i mean i haven't used pop os much to be honest but uh i'd be interested i I will install it and and check it out briefly um but you'll have to tell me what you think about it we didn't mention the gaming situation i mean that is going to be pretty much the same across most Ubuntu distros, I would have thought. Um, It's just a case of there's a lot of stuff that isn't available, like any Blizzard stuff you said to me. And um, with Steam, it's hit and miss. Some things are native, some things will work with Proton, some things won't. I mean, that's not specific to Ubuntu, right? No, that's just in general on uh, Steam on Linux. Yeah. But maybe you'll have more luck with um, Pop! OS. I don't know. I'd be interested in that. All right, well, uh, let's call that a day then for now. And uh, we'll be back, hopefully, soon with uh, Pop! OS. <laughs>